Welcome to Sidewalk Talk. I'm Maria Batt, Director of Client Relations and Design for Shovel the Sidewalk. We are a marketing firm in Buffalo, New York, specializing in building brands and advertising for small businesses. And then we push their messaging out into the community through storytelling. And today I have my sister on Sidewalk Talk, who is a speech language pathologist specializing in early intervention. Hey, Hev. Hi. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited to do this. I can't wait to see you with your work hat on. Well, here I am. <laughs> no hat, just sitting in my bed because it's the only quiet room of the house right now. I know. I'm in um, Tim, my husband's office because of the same we shut the door in this room. Otherwise, I've been working in the dining room, which is not quiet. But also kind of your office. Yes. Usually my office, but I don't usually have to talk to people in there. It's just for paperwork purposes. So little different. And that's the thing. We're all kind of pivoting from our normal routines because we're in the new COVID-19 universe and we're all making crazy changes to keep our lives moving as best as they can. So let's start talking first about your regular daily work life as a speech pathologist. Can you explain, I think, Everybody pretty much understands what you do, but you do early invention, early intervention. So can you explain what that is? Sure. A speech pathologist, it's, we have so many different um, areas that you can actually focus your practice into. I, our umbrella is really, we deal with communication disorders, whether that be from birth or acquired throughout life. And so some of it can be very developmental in nature, and then others um, focus more on maybe adult or acquired types of communication disorders resulting from strokes or brain injuries or um, you know, some types of issues that can arise from cancer and things like that as people get older. We can actually work with any age group. We're trained to work with any age group from birth to the oldest I've ever worked with is 103. Um, but lately I have been working in early intervention and I've been doing that for about five years, I would say. And that means that I work with little, little kids from zero to three. Sometimes it goes up to three and a half, just depending if they are transitioning into preschool services. But we tend to work on more of the developmental language and speech disorders that can happen just from, you know, congenital birth types of things, or we can um, just work on developmental, like kids that are delayed in their speech and language processes. So I actually focus my work in homes, and I do some daycare work. If the parents are working, you know, they go to the daycare, and I see the kids one-on-one -on -one there, but most of the time I'm actually in people's houses. And it's like a full contact sport, your type of therapy. You know, you used to work in some rehabilitation facilities with elderly yeah. people, apparently somebody who was a spry 103 years old, um, but they can sit and, and pay attention to you and focus as best as they can um, on what it is that you're trying to teach them how to do. However, the a, a one-year-old or two-year-old has the attention span of like a gnat. So how do you keep their attention? <laughs> I actually, that's something I often say to people uh, because we work on 
a hierarchy of skills. We start at, you know, like a base level, depending on where the kid falls on the hierarchy. And some of them have to just work on attention first. You know, if you can't have them sit and read a story, they're not going to get any of the language out of it. And so we do, you said full contact sport. That's funny. The hardest thing lately is sitting at a desk for me. I mean, I, I am so used to being up and down and on the floor. I run with the kids. I tickle the kids. Kids are very motivated just by like physical touch. And so a lot of the times what we do is if they do something right, I, you know, throw them up in the air or I, you know, tickle them or we swing around in a circle. We do a lot of movement breaks where if they need to move and you just get used to knowing what the kids need after you've been doing it for so long. But if they need that movement break, we can do a language based activity just with like ring around the rosy or um, row, row, row your boat is really, really good. And so, yeah, we sitting has been very, very difficult for me. Because so you are now still going into people's homes, but you're doing it through Zoom. So you're staying in your home and they're tuning in to your Zoom conference room or Google Hangouts conference room um, from your dining room. And now all of that contact that you usually have with the kids is either is really on the parents to keep them engaged and staring at like a screen, which, you know, kids love looking at screens when they aren't supposed to. Um, but when you actually want them to, I know I gave Rocco some math program that he had to do. I'm like, this is great. You know, you can, you're going to use this tablet and we've like cut it, uh, you can't get on it until like four o'clock now. And I thought it'd be great and fun, but not even a little bit of fun. So how are, how are you work? This is totally new territory right. for you. And, and the funny, the ironic part of all of this is that I am very against screens for a lot of my kiddos that need more one-on-one -on -one attention from actual, you know, people. And it's very easy right now. I mean, I, I mean, I'm a parent too, so I totally understand the idea of, I have to go to work, I have to do what I need to do, so here's a screen. But when your kids are super duper little in a normal environment when we're not dealing with a state of emergency, kids learn through play. They don't learn looking at a screen because they need those base skills first. They need that like, we have a, um, something that we call joint attention and that means that a child can look to a person and an object and share that activity with you. And you can't do that with a screen. And that is such a huge skill that I am actually using, for the most part, using the screens to educate and coach a parent on how to play with their child. So because my kids that I see for therapy are so, so little, and I don't want them like staring at the screen with me, I will do things every once in a while. I'll put a duck on my head and make it sneeze off or I'll, you know, do peekaboo with something in the corner or, you know, I'll put glasses on to have them look at me. But really this is just to show the parent the things that they can do with their child and have them feel really, really empowered to use the strategies that I've been showing them either in the past or now via teletherapy to, you know, continue to engage their children and to show them that language is in everything that we do. You can 
wash dishes with your child and teach them vocabulary. You can, you know, put clothes away and teach them how to follow directions. You can do it in anything. One of the things that we, um, we did in one session was to use language to teach a child how to wash their hands. And that's just, it's a very functional task right now. And it's something that parents are having to do with their kids on a daily basis, probably many times a day at this point, but just showing them that they can use the strategies that I'm teaching them to empower themselves and to like encourage more language and speech growth throughout all of this. It's actually been really, it's been very eye-opening for me as well to like kind of let the reins go a little bit. I'm a little bit of a control freak. No, no, you're not. Um, <laughs> speech pathologists in general are tend to be, I've met a couple that aren't, but we tend to be very type A. We are like a cookie cutter type of profession where you get in it because you want to help people, but you also like to control things. And so it has actually, it's going to be a very large personal development growth phase for me. I feel it. <laughs> Yeah. Cause you're, I mean, you're right. You're not there. And, and I get that though. You want to have control over that situation because it's on you for these kids to develop. That's your reason for being in your professional capacity or for these kids to, to be, able, be able to develop and go into the community and be stronger than if they didn't have the therapy to begin with. So you have to do the best you can with a hands like a physical hands-off approach and really trust that the parents are going to do what you're asking them to do. Yes. I will say, however, that when you have such little kids, two 30-minute sessions a week is not enough. So, you know, that's a very, very minute amount of time in a week that a child would be getting speech therapy. So part of my goal usually even when I'm at a daycare center is to at least check in with parents once a week, just to make sure that they can follow some of the strategies and guidelines and carryover activities that I would be giving them anyway. So I would say, yeah, it's really important to have me, but really it's a teamwork effort between me and the families and the families that are really, really on board and super supportive and follow along with whatever I recommend to them are the ones that see a huge amount of development in their kids regardless if I'm doing it via teletherapy or one-on-one -on -one with the kids. So explain a little bit like, um, you know, obviously HIPAA, we're not going to say any names or anything like that. Um, but explain maybe um, kind of like a start to finish case in a very like Reader's Digest version. So maybe how you originally found this uh, kid or a kid, um, maybe what their language capacity was and then by the time you were finished what were they able to what was the improvement that they were able to make oh and okay i know well i just see so many kids that are on different levels of development mm -hmm. so you know i have some kids that start out and you know they can't sit for anything at all and they have a lot of behavior issues and so, okay, I'll, okay, I have one in my head. So, okay, I have seen some kids that, you know, they start out, parents come to me, and or they go to their evaluation, and they say something along the lines of, he has a lot of behaviors, he's hitting, he's not talking, he throws himself on the ground, he's very frustrated all the time because 
we think he know what what we think we know what he wants, but then he gets it and he can't make up his mind, and then he wants something else, and he just is so dysregulated. Dysregulated is like a word that means you're uncomfortable in your own like physical body. Sure. And so I might come in, they may recommend therapy, and I would look at him and say, okay, where do we start? I always want to start where the kid is. You never want to go two steps above them. Parents are always like, let my kid talk. That's all I need is for him to be talking so I know what's wrong. But then we have to start where the kid is. And sometimes we start below where the kid is just to make sure that they are successful. Because it's really more than speech. Oh, it's so much more than speech. Yeah. And in all honesty, at the age that I'm at, that I'm working with, we do so much more with cognition um, like problem solving and attention and planning and organizing their environment. And then we work so much on language development. They have to understand what they're hearing before they can actually speak. Mm-hmm. And then after they understand, they start using the words. And a lot of the kids I see because they're delayed in their speech production end up um, needing some Arctic therapy to catch up, which is basically like speech production, the way you sound. And so they need that at the end to make sure that they kind of catch up fully with all of their peers. But the great thing about early intervention is the earlier you start, the faster progress is made and the sooner they catch up with their peers. So for all those parents that are like, oh, I don't know, my kid's two and a half, but he might start talking at three, just get him evaluated. It's so much easier to just get the evaluation, either feel better about it or get them started than to wait until kindergarten when there's so much further behind their peers and then they're working so hard and EI is, EI is early intervention, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, EI is one-on-one. We don't do groups. We don't, you know, you just get strategies right away from one person and you develop a rapport and a relationship and it. it's really great. So um, how might a parent be able to assess their kid where, okay, my child's a year and a half, Um, she hasn't said anything or when is it just, okay, well, she's just taking a little extra time or as a, as opposed to it's time to call, you really need to call. What are some signs? So, okay. So typically by a year old, you should have a child very normal here, but, um, based on our normative data, you should have a child that can say the names of the people in their house and four to five words at a year old. Typically, I would say if your parent, if your child isn't talking at one, don't freak out. Do they understand what you're saying? That's huge because some kids pull in a lot of information before they start talking. Um, Definitely though, I would say by 18 months, if you don't have any words, it's time for an evaluation. By two, by between 18 months and two years old, typical developing kids are putting two words together. So you've got some of those kids that by the time they're two, they're going to say three and four word sentences. Those are just like the advanced ones. You know, like there's, there's such a wide range of normal in our development that some of the, sometimes you're going to look at another kid and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, my child is not doing that. As long as your child by 18 months is starting to talk, that's okay. But if they get to two and they have no words or they're not putting two words together, you really need to call. Yeah. And it's yeah. not going to hurt anything. It's, it's, no, it's free. A peace of mind. And yeah, it's free. If there's zero right. risk to it, there's free. And the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to call and they're going to say, let's just, you know, check back in in six months. Yeah. 
unless you don't want therapy and then maybe that's the worst thing. But <laughs> either way, at least you'll know. Right. I think that's part of the issue right now is so many parents don't know. Mm-hmm. And pediatricians, as well-meaning as they are, they don't have the base knowledge of speech and language development. They only have the normative data. So they don't know to look for things like, you know, whether or not a child gets frustrated because he doesn't know the right word to say. They don't know whether or not, you know, the sensory things that are going on within a child's body are affecting their speech and language. That's why you need somebody that's trained in it to come in and truly assess what you need in your family and what can be provided, not just from speech, but from physical therapy, occupational therapy, and special education. And talking for your child does not count. Because I think that's one thing that I had in my head when, from the time I had Tegan, was there isn't going to be any, do you want juice? Do you want milk? Do you want water? And wait for the, uh, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> the point in the count. grunt. Yeah. yeah, no. That kind no. of communication doesn't count. It, it counts when they're really little. Sure. <sighs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I always tell parents to give two choices. And just leave it at two choices. So you can hold up a juice and a milk or whatever it is that you choose to give your child. And initially they can point and say, eh, eh, eh. Um, but then some kids need to learn the sign because they're not ready to talk. Or, you know, some kids you can say, oh, you want milk. And you just repeat it over and over again. And they will eventually figure out how to say that word. But, you know, talking for your child is not beneficial for them long-term, but there is something to be said for repeating key words that you want your child to learn. It happens a lot too with, with children that have older siblings mm-hmm. because the older siblings can talk and some of them are very precocious and they just choose to keep talking mm-hmm. for the younger sibling forever and ever and ever. And so I have spent many sessions saying, okay, we're going to let, you know, your sister say it this time. So you button your lips kind of a thing. And, um, and sometimes that can be really, really hard for the older kids. And I think that regardless of whether your kid has a speech delay or attention issues, um, pretty much anybody with little kids that are stuck at home right now could probably benefit from the type of therapy that you're giving where they could maybe adapt some of those activities in their house when they're stuck at home and like, Oh my God, I don't know how many times I can sing, how many monkeys are jumping on the bed. What's something else that they can do like the activity of washing your, your hands or some everyday things that can kind of help all of us that are stuck at home with little kids right now and trying to find a way to engage them. Right. So if you are someone that has very small children, The best thing that you can do is to play, not read, play with books. So one of the things, I use a book in almost every single session I I, um, do, I don't know what word to use there, but you know, when I do therapy, I typically use at least one book in every session. Some kids love books. Some kids do not. So we need to make them interesting for children. So I actually just play with books with the really little ones, especially the ones that don't sit well with them. I, I wish I had one in here. I could show you. Yeah. So what I'm, I'm um, a little interested in what playing with books means. So play with your books. So for example, I have a book that is, um, where is baby? I think it's called. And we say, where is baby's feet? 
say, and it's a lift the flat book. Kids love lift the flat books. Where Spot is a great one. Um, Dear Zoo is a great one. There are a lot of very, very simple lift the flat books for little kids that teach vocabulary. But for this baby one, I think it's called Where Is Baby? I can tell, I can, you can put it in the show notes. I'll send that to you. Okay. Um, instead of saying, where is baby's eyes or something like that, we lift it up and we maybe tickle the baby's feet or we um, tickle the baby's belly or we sniff her feet or we point to her eyes and then we point to our eyes. There's one that says, where is baby's mouth? And when I lift the flap, I give the baby a kiss. Mm -hmm. So we actually do things with the book rather than just sit and be passive because kids need to move and they learn by doing things. So if it's your child, you could kiss the baby, have her kiss the baby and then kiss each other. And so you get a lot of repetition out of just using a page in a book. Does that help? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes um, sense. Yeah, so that's good. The other thing to think of is, you know, playing with your kids in a way that isn't specifically designed for toys. So going back to using activities and items within the house that don't have bells and whistles are what I would suggest for almost all children at this point. A lot of kids are very motivated, especially my little friends that might have a like a diagnosis of autism spectrum or something like that, where they get very into pushing buttons. Mm -hmm. And so using toys that push buttons over and over and over again, is very, very stimulating for them. They're not going to get any language out of any of that. Going back to doing things like looking through paper towel rolls, talking, telling secrets to each other through the paper towel rolls, um, hiding little stuffed animals around the house and looking for them and saying where we find them, using, um, like pots and pans with spoons to bang on is great for cause and effect in teaching problem solving to kids. So going back to the things that we as parents did when we were little, mm -hmm. instead of using a device or using something with, you know, bells, whistles, colors, shapes, numbers, all of that, like preschool readiness stuff, your kids don't need that at this point. They need language development. They need to know that somebody is there playing with them and they need you to teach them the language. Colors and stuff, that comes later. That comes when they're ready for it. Yeah, you don't need your kid to know the state capitals by the time they get into kindergarten. Not expected. No. Right. No. <laughs> but I, I think that, um, especially I think with social media, people have such unhealthy expectations for where their kids could be. And, you know, comparing yourself or your kid to somebody else is one of the most dangerous things that you can ever do. I mean, if you've ever been in therapy or you're at a personal trainer, one of the first things they're going to tell you is don't compare yourself to other people. So just basics focusing. And this is great, right? We're all stuck at home right now. We're all being forced to slow down. And what you're asking um, or suggesting for parents to do with their kids isn't anything that requires a trip to Target or an order of something expensive. This is all stuff that we have in our homes. Yeah, you can even use like um, yogurt containers to build up, you know, little stack. If you don't have blocks at home, you can use, um, I saw somebody have you, <laughs> I don't have all this, but some people used um, the tops of shaving creams. 
Yeah. If for some reason you save those at home, I don't know, to build that up. You can use pillows and just make obstacle courses through your house. Kids love that. And then you can work on those, those verbs, you know, like you're crawling, you're hopping, you are stepping, let's jump, let's do, you know, go under, go over. And it also huge thing for kids to learn and know is just to ask for help. So if you do something that is hard for your child, but you're sitting there, that's fine because they're learning to ask for help. Instead of throwing themselves on the floor and getting very, very upset, they can use that skill of just asking for help. And that's something everybody can kind of learn a little bit. You know, especially if you're saying, hey, help right now. <laughs> help, help. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who wants to help, help. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, that's helpful. Um, I think it's, it's been, this has been kind of fun because we're both talking to each other's professionals, which we've really never done before. <laughs> it's a different kind of Zoom call for us, for sure. Yeah, it isn't. It is. Yeah. Our last one I included uh, two other people in cocktails. Because mm-hmm. you do what you got to do during these times. And that was great too. It was. It was helpful in a different way. Correct. <laughs> so thank you so much for taking, you know, a couple minutes out of, you know, your day with the boys and Tim, although shutting yourself in a quiet room probably isn't the worst thing that's going to happen to you today. My My, cat is outside the door just crying her eyes out right now. You don't like her anyways though, so it doesn't matter. Not the best. It's not anybody's favorite. Flynn is not nice. (laughs) All right. So thank you again. Um, If anybody is interested in Uh, hearing some more of our podcasts or watching them because you're so turned on by what Heather had to say. And I'm clearly such um, an expert interviewer. Um, You can check myself out and Steve also um, interviews on our website, shovelthesidewalk.com or Spotify, wherever else it is that you stream your, your podcasts. Um, also, if you have somebody that you think has some information that can maybe help us a little bit, all of us shut-ins that are stuck at home or just has a really good story to tell or you yourself to fill out the form on our website and somebody will get back to you. Uh, thank you again, everybody. And this has been Sidewalk Talk.